Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 311, entitled Enter 77. This is the 60th hour of the series, and there are 61 episodes to go. With that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary for this episode. In flashbacks, Saeed is a chef in a restaurant in Paris. He is summoned onto the portico by an Iraqi named Sami, who compliments the meal Saeed cooked for him, and offers him a job as a chef in his new restaurant. Saeed later arrives and meets Sami's wife, Amira. She has burn scars on her arm, but their introduction is cut short when the woman confirms that Saeed is, quote, him. Saeed is suddenly attacked and knocked unconscious. He is chained up in the basement of the restaurant. Sammy explains that his wife was tortured by the Republican guard and she recognized her torturer to be Saeed. Saeed denies this passionately. Sammy's wife is brought before Saeed as Sammy begins to brutally beat him, trying to get him to admit that he tortured his wife. The following day, Saeed is visited by Amira. She explains that she rescued a cat from torture by street kids, and while it sleeps with her and loves her, it also sometimes attacks her because it forgets that it is safe. She forgives Saeed for his actions because she also knows what it is like to never feel safe because of Saeed. Amira forgives him. Moreover, she says she will tell Sammy that she made a terrible mistake that they have found the wrong person so that Sammy will let him go. On the island, we start in the beach, where Sawyer notices Paolo with one of his magazines. Paolo explains that they share things now. After seeing the castaways have set up a ping-pong table, Sawyer decides to challenge someone to a game to retrieve his stash. Sun decides that if he loses, he has to give up using colorful nicknames for a week. The ping-pong match begins between Hurley and Sawyer. Sawyer loses badly, but Hurley takes pity on him and returns some of his magazines. The pornos! At this point, Hurley reassures Sawyer that Kate will be safe while with Saeed and Locke. And speaking of them, the story moves to the flame station, where in the jungle, Locke, Saeed, Kate, and Danielle stumble across a farmhouse with a satellite dish upon its roof. Its inhabitant is revealed to be the mysterious one-eyed man whom Saeed Locke and company saw on the Pearl's monitoring video in an earlier episode. Saeed approaches, but as he nears, the one-eyed man appears and shoots Saeed in the shoulder. After Saeed tells him about the plane crash, the one-eyed man emerges. Kate and Locke rush out from hiding to to disarm him. The one-eyed man reveals his name to be Mikhail and claims that he is the last living member of the Dharma Initiative. He also states that the dish on the roof has not worked in years, that the hostiles were on the island long before the Dharma Initiative. Meanwhile, Locke finds a computer running a chess program. He plays and begins a losing streak. 
Saeed realizes that Mikhail is an other, not a member of the Dharma Initiative, and almost certainly is not alone. Saeed reveals a hatch hidden under a rug, or a door. Wikipedia might be selling it a bit hard here. Uh, Kate and Saeed descend into the uh, basement while Locke keeps watch over the unconscious Mikhail. The basement is wired with explosives! Upstairs, Locke is distracted by the prompting of the chess game. He finally manages to beat the chess computer, after which the screen changes to a video of Dr. Marvin Candle, also known as Dr. Mark Wickman, which tells him to enter number codes for communication. Since the satellite and sonar have been rendered inoperable, Candle says, has there been an incursion of the station by hostiles? If so, enter 77. Locke is about to enter the code when Mikhail appears behind him and holds a knife before his throat. In the basement, Kate is attacked by B. Clue, but Saeed comes to her defense and they take her upstairs. Locke is outside being held at gunpoint by Mikhail. There's lots of arguing in Russian between Mikhail and Clue, and then Mikhail shoots her. Locke struggles for the gun and Saeed manages to knock Mikhail to the ground. Mikhail begs to be killed, but Saeed lets him live. Indeed, Saeed shows Mikhail a map that shows a cable running from the flame to a place called The Barracks. Mikhail doesn't tell him about this place, but warns that the moment Saeed's guard is down, he will attack. Locke emerges and says that he beats the chess game and found out why Mikhail hadn't wanted him to beat it. With that, the farmhouse blows up. Once again, one of Saeed's hopes of being able to communicate with the outside world has been taken away by Locke. As the group turns to leave, Saeed catches sight of the cat. With that, let's now move into my thoughts about the episode. We'll start with a little commentary on the recap in the episode. It's the others releasing Hurley and keeping Kate Jack Sawyer. Echo dying. Kate wanted to get Jack back. Seeing Patchy in the monitor. If you needed that recap to jog your memory for watching this episode, fine. If you haven't seen that stuff before, and this is the first time you're tuning in and you see that previously on, oh my, oh my indeed. The episode proper opens with Sawyer woefully wandering around the beach, his heart clearly heavy. There's casual recap dialogue with Hurley about finding a ping pong table and the hatch exploding slash imploding. It's kind of a curious scene. What is its function? You know, yes, it gives Paolo also a chance to talk. I mean, recap about how Sawyer's stuff has been divvied up for sharing. You know, I mean, fine. It's kind of, you know, it's tying together some stuff there. It's, But it's, you know, it's, it's by and large, it's recap of previous stuff of the, the hatch exploding. You know, we're going to pick that up later with the sky turning purple in, in some other scenes. You know, it's just an odd scene. Yes, it's setting up the ping pong business, but it's kind of you can see the hand of the writer, as I as I say sometimes too often. Um, with that, at least the recap portion uh, or the recap of their dialogue ends with the scene shift. Uh, Locke and company searching for Jack, and oh wait, they actually then recap how they're following the heading of three hundred five because Echo Stick said so. And they further remind us that Saeed isn't confident that this is the way to go. Heavy on the recap. Things pick up when Saeed sees a cow while alone. For a moment, I was almost convinced that the cow perhaps was smoky. 
until it kind of wandered on back to the other side of the tree line, revealing our favorite eyepatch-wearing friend. Uh, the other bits are shown. There's a horse, the house, satellite dish, cat. All of these are details that will come into play during the course of the episode. So, having discovered this mysterious new spot, we, of course, uh, that's a great way to end the act. We get the title card, then back to Ping Pong Central, where Sawyer dares everyone to a winner-take-all game. Winner gets all of Sawyer's stuff. Nikki, in what might be her only line in the episode, speaks up about uh, asking if it's fair. And at least at this point, Sawyer gets a good burn on her, asking her who she is. Um... At this point, it's kind of clear it's going to be one of those episodes. A heavy, plot-driven story about others and dharma and mysteries and answers. And a light B-plot involving fun in the sun with some of our favorite faves. And indeed, we do just that. After ping-pong delights, Saeed and company are coming up with a plan to approach Patchy's house. With Soldier Saeed having circled the place and determined that it's isolated. Just as Saeed is about to approach the house unarmed, that's when we flash back to post-Iraq Saeed working in a restaurant. We know he's good at it because he chops a carrot up very quickly. He gets a friendly job offer from another friendly friendster, another dude from Iraq. Only good things can happen, of course. Uh, The scene ends with them smiling and happy and sunshine. Nothing is going to go wrong here, of course. We head back to Patchy's house, and Saeed gets shot, and he establishes himself uh, to Patchy as an oceanic survivor. Uh, It's odd, within that scene, it's odd that Patchy mentions not crossing the line. Uh, A nod to previous encounters with others versus Dharma, perhaps. Um, But wouldn't he know that Dharma is gone post-purge? Is he perhaps mistaking Saeed for Danielle? I think these are all these are all certainly um, uh, oh, considerations that you have upon first viewing. Uh, certainly within the you know within the the context of the episode, he's just oh he's just repeating um, things that the other others have told him about uh, these oceanic people, and you know Patchy clearly is is setting himself up as a an opponent uh, of the others. So, um, you know, that mentioning of the line certainly is meant to be, you know, hey, they, they drew a line for you, they drew a line for me too. Um, and, you know, in indeed, Patchy then goes on to explain that he is Dharma and uh, the line is the other's line. And that's, of course, a great way to end the act. After the act break... Uh, Patchy mentions military experience with the Soviets in Afghanistan, and he seems very friendly indeed, friendly and chatty. I grew up in Kiev and joined the Soviet army. I was stationed at a listening post in Vladivostok. After the Cold War, after we lost the Cold War, my unit was decommissioned. I was dismissed from my life in the military. And after years of conducting unpleasant actions against our enemies, I found myself wanting to do something good. So I replied to a newspaper advertisement. An advertisement? Would you like to save the world, Edward? That's how I met them. The initiative. Very secretive. Very rich. 
very smart. So when did you come to the island? Eleven years now. I liked computers, communications equipment, and being alone like a lighthouse keeper. So they put me in this station. They called it the flame. What's the purpose of the flame? To communicate with the outside world, of course. What happened to the Dumbler Initiative? They're all dead, of course. They foolishly initiated a war against the hostiles. A purge, they called it. And how did you survive this purge? By not participating in it. I told you, I like being alone. And the hostiles allowed you to stay here? After it was over, four men appeared in the yard. They offered a truce. They said to imagine a line that extended all the way around the valley. As long as I did not cross it, I would be left alone. Then they took two cows, and I never saw them again. They weren't interested in the satellite dish in the yard? Why would they be? It hasn't functioned for years. Who are they? These hostiles? I do not know. But they were here for a long time before we were. A very long time. Is that clip there, is it a tad heavy on exposition? Yeah, but more importantly, it's heavy on answers. Uh, obviously, some of it through the, the, the haze of Patchy's lie that he's a Dharma person. But uh, we get tons of information there, tons of usable information, particularly this notion that uh, it's been a very long time that the others have been here. You know, we'll obviously uh, know that to be over 2,000 years, as we'll learn uh, toward the end of the series. So lots of, lots of great stuff from that clip. It's nice that the show, I think, certainly had, had learned from some of the most wonderfully frustrating parts of the middle of season two, where just it's forever to get little answers. You know what? Every so often give us a nice big you know, clump of stuff to chew over, some of it pertinent, some of it you know, usable later on, some of it just kind of there for shading and fun, but what a, what a really nice clip there. And indeed, during that monologue, Director Stephen Williams does a just a really top-notch job showing us bits and pieces uh, of the house uh, as Kate and Locke look around. Dharma food that looks fairly new, fresh meat, computer parts, and so forth. It's just a nice little, you know, something isn't quite right. We can't quite put our finger on it and how that Dharma food looks so new. Where's the meat coming from? Well, he did have a cow. You know, there's kind of vaguely stuff isn't quite adding up although with a with a turn of a you know with a turn of a a comment here or there it could quickly start to make sense you know the the show certainly isn't uh isn't overselling uh or oh isn't overselling its hand yeah with that the story moves to flashback and we get a nice shot uh down the street at night showing the eiffel tower Ah, gay Paris. Uh, Saeed goes to the new restaurant to talk more about the job. Uh, He sees a bunch of happy men at a table. No worries there. uh, uh, Sammy, the owner, comes out. Uh, He's all smiles. He introduces Saeed to his wife. The moment that there's one shot of the scars in her hands, 
And it's at that moment that we, the audience, know the truth, that these expats in the restaurant are looking for Saeed the Torturer. Whether this is short-term, whether this is long-term, we can't quite know upon first viewing. Certainly we know, you know, the, the, the jig is up here and he's in trouble. Uh, obviously we'll learn later in the episode that it was just a chance encounter that the, that the wife happened to see Saeed and uh, just one of, those, one of those connections in life. But that certainly everybody is there at that night to keep, you know, to, to keep Saeed there. A uh, short fight breaks out, and the scene ends with a kick to Saeed's face, which is always a fun way to end, uh, fun way to end uh, a scene, to end an act, which is to, to, to black out the character and then have the screen black out and, uh, and to end your act. By the way, it's also great casting for the wife. She, she's someone who, uh, I, I suppose in conjunction with the makeup department, there's slightly too much makeup on her face. That plus the way it kind of draws out the age on her face. And I'm not saying that she's particularly old, but just the fact that the makeup does not flatter her features and can pull out, the makeup kind of pulls out the bags under her eyes a little bit. Uh, I think there's, and I'm certainly no uh, expert in makeup, uh, you know, for for beauty or television uh, either way, but it's as though she kind of has too much beauty makeup on to kind of, uh, you know, try try and be pushing forward her beauty. But I think there's also kind of stage makeup there to help kind of make her anger angles a bit sharper. To uh, to maybe make those cheeks look a bit hollow, that that sort of thing. the The result is she's someone who looks haunted by the past and who's trying to cover it up, which certainly describes the character. With that, we move back to Patchy's house where he's patching Saeed up. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, and uh, he has a cat named Nadia, named after the athlete, but coincidentally, the name of Saeed's second most important love. Uh, you know, I wonder in retrospect, too, uh, given that um, Patchy is the communication guy, given that there's files on all the survivors, uh, is the cat's name really Nadia? Or is that just something that that Mikhail said to kind of throw Saeed off a bit? At any rate, Patchy goes to check on Locke, which, by the way, Patchy is just a much better name than Mikhail. I'm, there you go. Uh, so anyhow, Patchy goes to check on Locke, who's been diddling on the computer in the back room. You know, first-time viewers, I think, are worried that Locke would push the wrong button and blow everything up again. You know, don't go fiddling with these Dharma computers. I think we're all saying that. Now, the irony is uh, that no one else is worried about that, but we get to be ahead of the show at this point. Um, because that's obviously how it ends. He pushes the wrong button, blows everything up again. But despite all this, there's still pleasantries about, and at least Patchy is nice and all that, right? What's wrong? It just it doesn't make any sense. Why would they let him stay here? All this stuff, all this equipment. Actually, it makes perfect sense. What are you talking about? The reason they let him stay here is because he is not dumb. He is one of them. 
shot you and you just let him. Why are we still sitting here? We are sitting here, Kate, because I am certain he is not alone. It's a great way to end the act, isn't it? That kind of, wait, they're not alone. We have the Giacchino music, building, building, building. Fantastic stuff. After the act break, we have Modest Hurley inquiring modestly about the particulars of the ping pong game. He's kind of noticeably underplaying it, which is to say it's noticeable to us, though not to Sawyer. I think that even first-time viewers can kind of smell a con coming on, doubly so when Hurley takes the first volley one to nothing. With that brief stop in Happy Town, we return to Patchy's house, which now is really starting to feel like Patchy's lair. Uh, exposition continues about an underwater station, foreshadowing, and uh, submarine, foreshadowing, particularly foreshadowing, by the way, since that'll be the, the scene of, uh, of uh, Saeed's death. Uh, and then there's uh, more recap about how the sub, to- sub took over the sailboat. And then with that, Saeed ups the ante. Well, at least we were able to kill one of them. Why are we continuing to play this little game? When we all know it is moved to the next stage. It's a fun little fight scene that then breaks out. Uh, although Saeed and Kate seem a little unprepared for it initially. Uh, I love, too, that Locke kind of wanders out right toward the end. Uh, the scene finishes with Saeed saying, get some rope. And then at that point, uh, the story moves to flashback, where Saeed is chained to the floor in the back of the restaurant. Now, this is kind of a rather standard enough scene. Saeed's sins as a torturer are recounted to him, albeit specifically uh with regards to the owner's wife, uh, something that Saeed denies. The scene ends with the threat of Saeed being killed, something that is kind of slightly toothless to us dramatically, since clearly he doesn't die, right? Um, Anyhow, back we go to Patchy's lair. There's lots of connect-the-dot dialogue. Someone else is here as the horse is saddled for a shorter person. Hey, they showed us the horse before. They must have lost contact. Must have been when the sky turned purple. Hey, Tom told us that a few episodes ago. Now, where is this other person? The act ends with the reveal that there's a secret door under the rug. Dun, dun, dun. We return from the break in flashback, where, who I like to call Mr. and Mrs. Restaurant, come uh, to further interrogate Saeed. Again, the story really has kind of turned toothless. We like Saeed at this point a lot. We've forgiven him. We as the audience have forgiven him uh, of his sins. Uh, we, maybe not excuse, we, you know, it's not an excuse. We forgive him uh, because he's the product uh, of being a good man born in the wrong place in the wrong time. Uh, but he is guilty of those sins, uh, forgiveness or not. So how should we feel when Mr. Restaurant beats him for being a torturer, true, of his wife, we are told, 
False. Um, I don't know. And then you add to the fact, well, fine, he, he confesses later on, so he really is guilty for having done these awful, awful things to her. So, you know, is him getting punched in the face a few times? Is that, you know, that, that kind of seems fair enough to me, considering he, what, poiled, uh, poured boiling oil over her arms and whatnot. I mean, it, it's just a strange bit. We don't care to blame Saeed anymore. He's been forgiven of those sins. He's served his his punishment, however you want to, to, to slice that up. So for the show to return to it, perhaps it's just a lingering bit of business from, you know, certainly at this point they didn't know that there was going to be an end game, that they didn't need to continually be in the middle uh, and, and all of that. So maybe this is just a leftover where, hey, we're going to do Saeed is accused of being a torturer again type episode. At any rate, it's Mrs. Restaurant who stops the beating for today, and Mr. Restaurant promises it will continue tomorrow. Back in uh, Patchyville, Patchy is tied up and guarded by Locke, while Kate and Saeed root about in the basement of the lair. Uh, as Kate and uh, Saeed discover the place is rigged to explode, upstairs Locke hears the computer chess game beeping. So does he keep guarding this enemy? Nope, not with a button to be pushed. Kate and Sawyer keep lurking about, uh, including finding Dharma manuals about food drop protocol. Something that, you know, I just couldn't help but look at that. Connect it to season two episodes about, you know, where does the food come from? Connect it to the the new man in charge, uh, the series epilogue. Kind of connect it to, you know, hey, as the trivia mentions at the end, you know, uh, there are two Dharma guys still out there somewhere in the United States putting together these, you know, food drops and supply drops. So, anyhow, we're back with Locke. Coincidentally, he beats the chess game with some very unexpected results. Enter three eight. The satellite dish is inoperable. Communications are down. For sonar access, enter 5-6. Sonar is inoperable. Has there been an incursion on this station by the hostiles? If so, enter 7-7. Keep your voice low and your hands in front of you. What? Patchy not captured slash dead slash otherwise incapacitated? Gasp! Meanwhile, uh, down in the basement, uh, Kate is attacked and gasp! It's Miss Clue! The very same Miss Clue that we were previously unlosted about 30 minutes ago. <gasps> this is incredibly shocking that they would do this. That the person who was in the previously on Lost, out of the blue, reminding us of stuff that we kind of didn't think we needed to be reminded about, that now she's come back. Well played, Lost, well played. Said brings Clue up to find Locke as a hostage of Patchy. So each side has a, has a hostage here. Uh, there's fun but typical yelling back and forth. 
However, that leads to some really wonderful, frantic intercutting as Clue and Mikhail speak in Russian while our heroes aren't quite sure what to do. And really that cut, cut, cut kind of pace really, it doesn't give us a chance to slow down and we really uh, then cannot blame them for not being sure what to do. What are they talking about in Russian? Well, it turns out that the plan was for Mikhail to shoot Clue, then himself. He succeeds in the first part, but the act ends with Saeed refusing to let Mikhail do the last part. After the act break, we're back on the beach. Sawyer is beaten and grumpy, and Hurley is kindly triumphant. It's interesting that the show doesn't actually show us the the game itself. You know, perhaps it was an issue of time. Um... That being the case, I don't know, it kind of, it almost cheapens the the ping pong storyline, the B story here, it cheapens it a bit. I mean, you know, it, it ends up being, what, about three scenes? Um, Sawyer looking for his stuff and the placing of the ping pong table. The beginning of the ping pong game with no more uh, nicknames, says Sun, and then this kind of post-game malaise. I don't. I'm not quite sure what to make of. I mean, certainly the patchy stuff is great. Um, I guess you can't have it all. And indeed, the story takes us back to the patchy hatchy, uh, where Kate is cleaning out the joint and Locke is considering pressing seven seven. Outside, Danielle appears and Saeed explains everything nice and clear for the people at home. Of course, I'm wasting my breath. I was never a member. But everything else I told you was true. I moved into the station after the purge. The purge in which a group of scientists attacked your people. Believe what you want, but that is what happened. Your friends, did he kill them? No. They're collecting whatever may be useful from the farmhouse. And now we have our ticket to where the others live, where we'll find your daughter and Jack. And finally, perhaps, a way home. There is nothing you could do to me. That would make me lead you there. So do you have that there, boys and girls? Was Saeed clear enough that, that you know, all that's going on here, Apache is an other, there was a purge of the scientists, uh, our heroes now have something to help them with their overall problem, which is finding Jack and Alex. Uh, anyhow, there's a fun little moment where Apache thinks he is that key to the overall problem. But Saeed reveals that Saeed actually has the new super map. Uh, indeed, at this point, Danielle says, well, should we kill him? Why don't we? He would kill us the first chance he gets. So what deep issue from the past could possibly prevent Saeed from killing Patchy? Well, gee whiz, right at that moment, we flash back to Mrs. Restaurant visiting Saeed. She carries a cat and tells a story about a cat that the neighborhood kids had tormented. Kind of like the cat Saeed saw outside Patchy's house, the one that Patchy said was named Nadia. The metaphor continues. Uh, the cat sometimes forgets he's safe, uh, just as Mrs. Restaurant sometimes uh, can forget the same thing. She asks Saeed to confess to him, remembering her and uh, what he did to her. Uh, and indeed, Saeed does confess. He's our hero, after all. He confesses those crimes. And he does so with tears and gusto. 
it's a nice acting moment, but once again, we've already forgiven him, so the story lacks some impact. Fine, Saeed faces a victim of his. We're already kind of over the shock of him being a big bad torturer. On top of that, Mrs. Restaurant decides to let Saeed go because we are all capable of cruelty, and she won't be. Hey, that's the same lesson that we've learned from other Saeed flashbacks before, that we, any of us could be capable of this if given the proper uh, motivation and skill set. Anyhow, flashback over. It's that bit of wisdom that sometimes you shouldn't be cruel. It's, it, that's what keeps Patchy alive. Patchy, that indestructible man who's uh, leaving him alive here, will lead to him killing Charlie. With that, Kate and Locke rejoin them, and good old-fashioned smarty-pants Locke has just a teensy-weensy little thing to share with everybody. Oops. Meaning what? What have you done, John? That place was our one hope of communication with the outside world! The computer said if there was an incursion by the hostiles, I should enter 7-7. So I entered 7-7. We should go. If anyone's around, this explosion's going to attract their attention. Back to being a colossal mess-up. So far from being, you know, walkabout guy and saying, you know... We will hunt. I have knives. Here he is, just pressing buttons again, blowing up hatches again. So the episode ends at that point, uh, you know, in what I would argue is a quietly brilliant note. Uh, as the group leaves, you know, they say time to vamoosh because the fire will be a clue to the others. Saeed looks to see the cat from his flashback, the cat that was by, was by Patchy's lair, that cat named Nadia. That said, I can only think that that's not the cat. It's not a cat, at least at this point. I, I would think that it's Smokey, quietly filing things away, quietly remembering, taking stock of the people around him for the day that he will go on to recruit Saeed to his side, which of course is a day that's coming in season six. So certainly, it's an action-packed episode. The B story is fun. The uh, the uh, flashback, I could kind of do without. I mean, it teaches us an important lesson that then informs Saeed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Fine, so be it. You know, I mean, to be fair, we are only so many episodes away from there really not being any more flashbacks, right? Um with just a couple of exceptions, let's see the the, the Sun and Jin fake out. Um, oh, I guess that Sun and Jin one—it's a Sun flash forward and a Jin flash back intercut to fake us out. But point being, you know what? This is episode three eleven. There's probably twenty three or so episodes uh, in the uh, in the season. I'll look it up here while we while we chat. Uh, but you know we're. Though this is not a great flashback story, it certainly is not, you know, Jack's tattoo. Um, and, uh, you know, nonetheless, it's a, um, you know, it's okay. And Okay, so fine. Here, it's, it, this is episode 11. 
season ends with uh, two-parter, 22 and 23. So, And then, what, that's not uh, 22 and 23, of course. That's the first flash forward. So we have 10, uh, 10 flashback episodes left, at least in terms of the, the format of the way the show has gone. So, um, you know, fair enough. It's not, not a great flashback, but, you know, great B story, action-packed A story, tons of answers from it. And uh, all the makings of a of a solid episode. Uh, I mean, you know, a zippy episode, which of course usually results in a in a zippier podcast, which is the pace run for today. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's 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 a fun episode. It's fun with Dharma answers and other answers and good characterization back there on the beach. But we of course are not done. Let's take a look at Lostpedia to see what bits and pieces I may have missed. It says, uh, the journey to the flame station coincidentally covers day 77. That works out very nicely. I wonder if that's intentional and Lostpedia just doesn't know it. I mean, you know, you could call you could call this episode Enter Blah Blah, anything that you wanted. Um, perhaps it was named for the day. I mean, that's an easy enough option from the writing room. Uh, moving on, Mikhail states that he is the last living member of the Dharma Initiative. Although uh, that turned out to be a lie. He was never a Dharma worker, which, you know, that's not the breaking news part. We knew that uh, during the course of the episode. However, ironically, Lostpedia goes on to say, two known Dharma initiative workers are alive, working off the island. Those are the the food drop people. Uh, Also, for you animal lovers out there, it was later confirmed that Bee's horse survived the blast. Uh, lastly, from Lostpedia, they have uh, the translation of the Clue Mikhail uh, scene in uh, Russian. So here we go. Clue says, Mikhail, Mikhail, you know what to do. Mikhail says, we still have another way, meaning another way out. Clue says, we can't risk it. You know the conditions. Mikhail says, there is another way. Clue says, they captured us. We will not let them get into the territory. Uh, Clue says, you know what, uh, you know what to do. That's an order showing some of the hierarchy here. Mikhail says, we still have another way. Then Clue says, in English, just do it. Mikhail says, forgive me, and shoots her. So there you go. Russian to English. Let us look ahead to next week, episode 312, which will be Par Avion, uh, a Claire episode, and also uh, an episode that, you know, depending on... I mean, certainly the last episode of the series, you know, Two plus hours long. That'll you know. That's uh, I think everyone looks at that as a as a you know a, a, as an episode by itself. Um, much much as some of these two hour finales are. But uh, in terms of how these episodes uh, are are divided up, uh, we are uh, again looking at that final episode as one. Uh, but. Everything else, you know, for the official kind of episode count, you know, for example, Through the Looking Glass is episodes uh, 22 and 23. Point being, for all this math and prognostication here, that uh, next week is the, uh, basically, uh, the halfway point of the, uh, of the series and of this podcast project. So, uh, certainly great, uh, great fun as always, great fun as always, so... That's in store for next week. If you'd like to share feedback, say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. 
leave a message on the uh, listener line, 732-707-1815. Email me at lookingbackatlost at gmail.com or leave a comment on lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you all again next week for 312 Par Avignon. Adios, everybody. Bye-bye.